you'd remain standing. We're going to read some scripture together. Thank you, worship team. We're in a series called Gospel 316. Who would have ever thought that we could take the most iconic verse in all of scripture and we could preach on it for three weeks, but that's what we're doing. We're preaching on it for three weeks and we're finding so much truth in this. There's so many perceptions about what the gospel is, even in the church of what we think the gospel is. And we felt like we needed to take a few weeks and let's, let's just re-engage with the gospel. Uh, I, by the way, all the scriptures I'm going to use today, um, I'm using several different, so you're going to be flipping all over the place. And um, if you want, you can also go to Version, look under events. You'll see some of the scriptures I'm using today. It'll help you also see things that are going on in our church. And uh, you can get all kinds of info on there on that Version app. But the scripture is John 3.16, and, and uh, try to find kind of a translation that we all could kind of find common ground on, because when you hear John 3.16, you go, that's not how I learned it, and that's okay, okay? But we're going to put it on the screen. I want us all to say it together, okay? I think this is the most common one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, the gospel is called good news. If you're new to church and new to the scriptures, the gospel, we call it good news because it's good news. But what I want to talk about today is even more good news, even more good news. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them there's even more good news. Father, thank you for the moments that we have to just be in your house together as the family and, and to just digest the scriptures together, wrestle with them together. And we pray that you're going to help us right now as we study together for a moment in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, you can be seated. I've got some good news. Don't you just love hearing that? If somebody says that to you, I got some good news. But you know what's even better is when somebody says, hey, 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 hang on, there's even more good news. You're like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. So as we mentioned earlier, Laura and I just got back from Ethiopia, and if you're brand new and you're like, well, wait, what were you doing in Ethiopia? Uh, Laura and I went and trained 180 pastors and leaders. We, uh, I, I preached three different times there and met with different church leaders. We, we birthed a church. Start, we're starting a church in Addis Ababa. Come on, somebody. Starting a church. And we'll, we'll give you updates as we learn more on that. And if you missed last week, I'm telling you what God is doing through our connection with Ethiopia. It'll be on the podcast this week, and you'll need to listen to what last week's message was, the message that we had about Ethiopia. But um, when you fly internationally, just a show of hands, how many of you have flown internationally? Okay. Now, some of you know what that's like. It's, it's pretty grueling. The flights are long. Our, our total travel time, I think, was like 20-plus hours, and, and one flight, just the flight to Addis Ababa, was 13 hours. 13 hours. And, and this body right here, not made for airplanes. I, I would prefer you check me in with the baggage and put me down in the cargo hold because this body does not fit in airline seats. And so when the biggest thing I was worried about was, oh, my goodness, I can't do this. I cannot sit 
ramped up like this for 13 hours. So when we got to uh, the check-in, to check in our bags, we were talking to the gentleman behind the counter, and I said, hey, is there any way you could get my wife and I uh, two seats together with a seat between us, because the seats are three apiece, they're three, three, three. And, and so he's like, yeah, let me check and see, and he goes, oh, I got some good news. I found you some seats where you and your wife will have one seat between you so you can stretch out a little bit. And I was like, oh, that is good news. Whew. So we get on the plane, and we start to get settled, and, and we're getting ready to sit down in our seats. And, and one of the flight attendants comes up to us and says, I'm, I'm really sorry, but you, you, you can't use these seats. And I'm like, oh, yes, we can. Check my ticket. And, uh, and then I thought, I could end up on a viral video if this goes too far. <laughs> and she looks at us, and I'm like, and she saw how tall I was, and I said, we really, <laughs> please show mercy. And she said, hang on a second. And she went away, and she came back about five minutes later, and she goes, um, I've, got, I've got some good news. I found some seats actually in the front of the plane for you and your wife. And I was like, oh, thank you. But then she said, I- I've got even more good news. And I was like, well, how could it be better than that? And she said, I've got you and your wife, your own row individually. I get three seats. Laura gets three seats. I do not have to fly with my wife. Come on, that's some good. I'm kidding. That's, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Sort of. Um, but and so I was like, oh, my goodness. And so I'm, like, spreading my stuff out. I've got three TV screens. I can watch three shows at one time. I'm watching Friends. I'm watching Elf. And I'm watching a Bond movie all at the same time. It was incredible. And, and, then, and then when I got tired, I just laid down. Now, I should say I laid down. I was in the fetal position because I'm still too big for the rows. But at least I got to lay down. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. And then we had the flight back. And uh, have you ever, um, you ever had this thought that this is as good as it's going to get? You know what I'm talking about? Like, this is as good as it's going to get. So we, we go back and we check in and, and I say to the, the guy behind the counter, hey, could we get a row and wife? And I did the whole thing again and seat between us. He goes, oh, hey. He said, yeah. He said, actually, I found really, really good seats for you. He said, there's no row in front of you. You, sir, will be able to stretch out your legs and have an extra seat. I thought, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. So we get on the plane, and we're right near the front, and right as we walk into the plane, and I look and I turn, and I look at our seats, there is an 80-year-old gentleman that's sitting next to the window. I'm like, dude, you ain't supposed to be there. We're supposed to have this whole row to our, our, ourselves, and, and he doesn't speak English, but we look at his ticket, and sure enough, somehow he had gotten ticketed on our row. Oh, man, this cannot be happening. So I sit down, and I'm like, well, at least I get to stretch my legs out. But when I sit down, I don't realize the row that we sat in. If you've ever been on an airplane, they have the seats, and the, and the, the chair arm does not come up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Like, it's, it's permanently mounted, and it's not, it's not going to go up. And I realize I am going to be sleeping straight up and down for the flight back with the uh, stop in Ireland over 16 hours. And I'm like, oh, this is not good because I also, did I mention I have a sciatic nerve? Did I mention that? Did I mention, does anyone know what a sciatic nerve is? How many of you know what one is? If you don't, okay, some of you don't know what it is. Go home, get a screwdriver, and stab yourself in the hip, okay? And you'll know what it feels like. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the plane, and this 80-year-old gentleman, I'm here. Laura's in the middle seat. 
and this older 80-year-old gentleman sitting right here. And what was weird is this guy had this creepy look for 16 hours. He sat and just stared at us. I would nod off. I would wake up, and he'd be like, I'd be like, and Laura would look through her purse, and he'd be like, I would look through my bag, and I'd be like, here, just look, just look, just look. I mean, he was just, it was really, and then on top of, so that wasn't the worst of it, though. And so then he had this sickening cough, the kind where, you know, the, the phlegm, the phlegm cough, wasn't even a dry cough, it was a phlegm cough. He's like, oh. he didn't cover his mouth, not one time. He just, oh. Ha! Is that Amharic? You're coughing in Amharic? What is that? Ha! I, you can ask Laura. I'm not making this up. Every 20 minutes for 16 and a half hours. I look behind me. The plane is packed. And I'm thinking, this is as good as it's going to get. Laura, two hours into it, puts a blanket over her head. Just puts it over her head. Just completely, like, telling this, like, trying to, and he just, and me, I start to fall asleep, and then I hear, ah, and I'm like, oh, and then my sciatic nerves kicked in. I'm like, ah, and so I lean this way to go sleep this way. I'm asleep 20 minutes later, ah, and I wake up, and I'm like, oh, my nerve, and so then I lean down to stretch. I'm like, stretching, I hear, ah, I lean back, I fall asleep this way 20 minutes later, ah, lean this way, fall asleep 20 minutes later, ah, back down like this, ah, Aha! 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 For 16 and a half. Finally, I just grabbed him and I stuffed him in the overhead compartment, slammed it down. You, sir, can ride up there. No, I didn't do that. The gospel is good news. How's that for a transition? The gospel is good news. News, for God so loved the world, he gave his son at whoever believes in him, not going to perish, have eternal life. Can I hear from somebody, that's good news. Is that good news? That's good news. That is good news. But, but for many followers of Jesus, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to go to heaven one day. But until then... This is as good as it's going to get. This is just as good as it's going to get. What if I were to tell you that the gospel is not just pray a prayer and get a ticket to heaven? What, what if I were to tell you the gospel is so much more? There's even more good news. Yes, Yes, we have eternal life, but we also have even more good news. I have a father, I have a family, and I have a future. I want to talk to you about that for a few moments. I have a father, I have a family, and I have a future. This is what John 3.16 tells us. Let's look back at just the first few words of John 3.16 and say these words with me, okay? What does it say? God loved the world. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them that means you. That means you. Yes, God loves you. I want you to write this down. I have a father who adores me. I have a father who 
adores me. Somebody say that's even more good news. That's even more good news. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 5, 8, he says, says it this way, God showed what? Say this with me. His great love for us. Not just love, but, but great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while what? This is the key. While what? We were still sinners. Like God, God doesn't wait to love you. God doesn't wait until you start acting right. No, God begins from a position of love. In fact, I would tell you he begins from a parental position of love. Parents, moms, dads, you begin from a position of love. You love your child before your child even arrives. You don't wait to love your child. I mean, some of y'all are like, well, I don't know. I mean, jury's still out. I don't know. I'm <laughs> waiting to see how this goes with this one because I just don't know. No, you, you, you love your child before. I mean, you're talking to that child when it's in the little bell. You're like, oh, Liz, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. You're so... You don't even know what the baby looks like. You don't know what the baby's going to talk like. You don't know the decisions the baby's going to make. But that baby's in the womb. You're like, I love you so much. Ladies, you loved your baby even before you were pregnant. Ladies, you loved your baby before you were pregnant, before you had a man. Back when you were in grade school, you'd already named your babies. You'd already dressed your babies. You'd already grown your babies up. Am I right, Amy? I am right. She's looking right at me. I did. I named them all. I named them all. Because that's what you do. You love them before and you love them after. Come on, somebody. No matter those of you that are experienced veteran parents, you know, man, when when they got when they screaming and they hollering, you're like, I I I don't like you, but I love you. This is who God is. God loved the world while we were still sinners. His he had great love for us. God, God's love is unconditional. Like he, he begins from a position of love and he continues in a position of love. There's, there's so much talk these days about love, is there not? Tolerance gets thrown around. I laugh at that because to me personally, I don't think tolerance is love. I, you know, I'm just going to tolerate you. That's, when you say that to your kid or a coworker or a friend, I'm just, I'm just tolerating them. That's, that's, that's not love. Do you know we have a national day of tolerance? It's kind of weird, isn't it? If you think about it, like one day out of the year, I'm going to tolerate you. Of the 364, you're out. Some of y'all are going to be Googling it during while I'm preaching. What day is that that I have to tolerate that person? God does not tolerate you. No, God loves you. He, he loves you, and this is who he is. This is what it's about. His love is it's founded, and it is based on grace, and it is based on mercy. It's kind of like, a, you know, when you download an app on your, your phone, it always has the terms and conditions, you know, and I don't know how you are, but I, I read through them. I take a couple vacation days, hire a lawyer, um, really fine-tooth, no, I don't, none of us ever do that. Nobody reads those terms and conditions. You go, accept, I don't know what I just accepted, but now I get to use this cute little game app, and I just gave my life away, but I don't know, but I got to have the app. And So you agree to it, because if you don't agree to the terms and conditions, you can't use the app. This is not how it works with God's love. God, God's love does not come with terms and conditions. He just loves you for who you were, who you are, who you're going to be. He says, I just, I just love you. God loved 
the world. I think so many followers of Jesus have this mindset that, you know, I, I, like, you know, I'm in, but I, I got I to gotta work to, get, to earn God's love. You know, God just, he just kind of, let's just be real, man, he's kind of, he kind of tolerates me. We're getting ready to go through Discover Growth, and I know many of you signed up for that. And when you go through Discover Growth beginning next Sunday, you're going to learn about the eight core practices. These are some of the most power. I use these practices every single day. I look at these every single day, and it keeps me on point. It keeps me focused in my relationship with Jesus. And you need these eight things in your life, these practices. There's not ten. There's not nine. There's not four. There are eight. And if you're like, you want to grow in your faith, you've got to know these eight practices, and you've got to know how to walk them out in your life. But here's what happens sometimes. We get into a, uh, a group like that, and we start learning these eight core practices. Oh, yeah, man, it's, it's so important to have a daily devotion. It's important to be in the house of God. It's important to serve. It's important to give. It's important to have godly friendships. It's important to be a person of prayer. And what can happen is you can get in this kind of this um, cycle, this vicious cycle that I got to do these things, and then God will love me. If I do these things, then, then I can earn God's favor, and somehow then, then God's going to love me. If I just if I come to church a little bit more, if I, if I give a little bit more, if I, if I read the Bible a little bit more, let me tell you how that plays out and why that doesn't work. So if you think, because, oh, I'm just going to read my Bible more, and then God's going to finally love me, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to start reading like a verse a day, and then you're going to be like, well, as soon as I start reading a chapter a day, when I read a chapter a day, then God's going to love me. And then you're going to read a chapter a day, and you're like, well, well, you know, as soon as I can read through the Bible in a year, then, 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 then God, it's this never-ending, vicious cycle. And what you have to understand is this, that God loves you. I am adored by the Father. The Father loves me. I have a Father who adores me. But not only do you have a Father who adores you, that's, that's even more good news, but there is even more good news than that. You also have a family that accepts you. Let's look back at John 3.16, just these words, and let's say these words together. Everyone who believes in him. One more time, come on. Everyone who believes in him. Turn to somebody and tell them, that means you. That, that means you. Because of Jesus, everyone who believes, everyone means everyone, everyone who believes becomes a part of God's family. Like church is not just a place you come to. It's a family we belong to. Come on, somebody. That's a great place to say amen. Clap your hands and say yes. Let's acknowledge that to everyone around us. This is not just a place you come to. This is a family you belong to. Write this down. I have a family who accepts me. I have a family who accepts me. Come on, somebody say that's even more good news. You ever feel like everybody's got it all together but you? Like you look and everybody, their, their style is on point. I mean, they even walk right. I mean, they just got that cool little walk, you know. Y'all watch me walking around the stage and go, man, that guy needs some help with his walk, you know. But, I mean, you just watch him and just like, man, they just, everybody's got it together except me. I mean, their style's on point, their hair's on point. I, I was at Starbucks the other day. I'm walking out of Starbucks, and I catch this guy out of the corner of my eye, and he had the most amazing hair I had ever seen. 
You're saying, how long did you look at that hair? A long time. I was like the guy on the plane. I was like. I mean, it was, it was gray like mine, but it wasn't gray. It was like white, like, like the pure snow of the Rocky Mountains had fallen on his head. I was like, that is amazing. I'm looking at the back of his head, and I'm like, not only is his hair on point, he has hair. This is amazing. And I, I, I just was, you, you guys know who Anderson Cooper is on CNN? That kind of perfect hair. I mean, it was just like, so I went home, and I looked in the mirror, and I'm like, I got it. I got it. I'm like, ah, ah, I can't. What is this? What did you do to me, God? Everybody's got it together except me. Do you know that? They've done survey after survey after survey, and 85% of Americans struggle with self-esteem and self-worth. Is that crazy? 85%. You know what's funny is I think all of us think it's flipped. It's only 15% that struggle with self-esteem. I'm part of the 15% that struggles with self-esteem, and 85% of people have it all together. It's actually the opposite of that. That means people sitting right next to you probably, if not do have something they struggle with in their self-esteem, whether it's education, whether it's their physical, whether it's spiritual. We come to church and we even struggle with it, don't we? Everybody's got it up together except for me. Starts in the parking lot. You get out of your car, you see that family pop out of their little minivan, and they just look the part. Kids got their little, girls got a little dress on. She's just hopping to church with their little offering, and little boy's got his little button-up shirt on, and wife and husband, they're walking hand in hand, and they're smiling, and they have their Bible with handles on it, and you're like, wow, wow. You get into church, and you're like, I ain't sitting over there, man, that, you know, that guy's a hopper, that guy's a hopper. You see them worshiping, they get their hands up, some of them are even crying, you're like, how did that bring you to tears? I never cry in church. Man, they're so spiritual. You've been around somebody that prays, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't, I can't pray. I don't know. Any, I don't, you know, th- this is, this is where, how the enemy keeps you out of the family of God. This is exactly what he uses to keep you out of the family. Well, I, I can come, but I can't really belong because I, I, don't, I don't quite measure uh, but listen to what 1 John 3, 1 says. Listen to this. 1 John 3, 1. This is John, one of the disciples of Jesus. See how very much our Father loves us. I have a Father who adores me. Some of y'all don't have that earthly Father. I think dads get a bad rap, honestly. I'm a dad, father of four. I think sometimes we just give dads way too much flack. Dads do really good. I think most dads do a pretty good job and try really, really hard. But dads were going to fail. And, but some, some of you have had a father who really, really failed you. Really failed you. But I want you to see how very much your heavenly father loves you. He adores you. For he calls us what? His children. We're his children. In other words, I have a family. If I'm his child and we're his children and he's our father, I have a family who accepts me. And I love this. It's an, John puts an exclamation point on it. He says, and that's what we 
are. Like, we, we, we might come from different backgrounds. We might have different skin color. We might have different socioeconomic status. We might be blue collar, uh, red collar, white collar, yellow collar, purple collar. I don't know what color you are. You might be Republican, Democrat, red, blue, I don't know, independent. But guess what? We all have the same blood running through our veins. It's the, vein, it's the blood of Christ. That's what unites us. You have a family. This is your family, and your family accepts you. We're not just friends. We're not just acquaintances. We are family, and we are here to love one another. We are here to support one another. We are here to care for one another. We are here to lift each other's burdens up. We're here to pray for one another. We are here for one another. We don't desert one another. We stay with one another through the good, through the bad, through the ugly, because that's what family does. A couple weeks ago, I came home from uh, the office, and Laura's mom uh, lives with us, and she was standing in the kitchen, and she, as I came in, my greeting from her was, Brad, the dryer is not getting hot. And the interpretation on that was not, hey, let's have a conversation, and like, hey, I wonder what's going on. I couldn't ask her, hey, why is it not getting hot? The interpretation when somebody, when a lady or especially your mother-in-law says, the dryer's not getting hot, what she's really saying is, you need to fix the dryer. That's what she said. That was my greeting coming home. You need to fix the dryer. And I was like, oh, go, oh, stereotype me. Okay, woo, woo, woo. Hey, this is 2020. It's not just a man's job, all right? Women can do the same thing. The tools are in the garage, Evelyn. I did not say that. <laughs> I feel horrible even right now. I feel like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to hell for that one right there. <laughs> I need to get God's love back into my life after that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, all right, I get it. I got to fix the dryer. So I did what any, you know, man like me, you know, DIY guy, like myself. By the way, those of you who don't know, that means do it yourself. I, uh, when she wasn't looking, I Googled it. Dryer is not getting hot. Yep. Uh, it's the uh, heating apparatus coil thingy. That's what it is. It's the heating thing, Bob. The, 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 yeah, that's what it is. So I ordered the heating coil thingamabob, whatever that is. Ordered it up, got it in, took apart the back of the dryer, and I was like, all right, yeah. That's the back of a dryer, all right. Did what any man of my stature would do. I YouTubed it. So I YouTubed the video, and, and I'm looking, and it's the heating element, and, and I'm like, um, that's it, element, heating element. That's what it's called. It's called a heating element. That's what makes the dryer hot, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> so... So I look at, the, watch this video, i am got the video, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, this is easy. You just pop the heating element off, and you pop the new one on. This is simple. This is easy. So I pop the old one off, and I pop the new one on, and, and I plug it in, but it, it's not plugging in. The, the wires are not, the, the, the plug-in thing is not 
working with the the you know the the metal things that are sticking out, whatever those are called. And and and, and it's not matching up, and it's not. And I'm just trying to get it to work, and I watch the video again, and it's just you just plug it in. I'm like, it's not plugging in, and I watch it again. I got plug. I'm like, forget this guy. He don't know what he's talking about. Next YouTube video, watch the next one. This guy doesn't know. Next one, I'm on to my third one, and finally I look at it. I'm an hour and a half into this, and I realize as I watch the video, oh. The plug comes off with the wires, and then the plug goes back on. And I was like, man, where's Danny Hamilton when I need him? Some of you know Danny. Danny is Hamilton Heat and Air, and Danny's a very good friend of mine. If I had called Danny, and I had Danny come over to the house, we would have been done in 10 minutes. 10 minutes. If I had just called him and just talked with me, and we could have worked it out, he would have shown me how to do this. Here's the thing. You could stay home, and you could watch church online. You could do that. You could stay home. You could watch church online, although that's an oxymoron because there's no such thing as church online. You know that, right? There's no such thing. You, you can't do that because church is the gathering of the people. The church is, we are, we are a family, so you can't do church online. Not that it's, you know, you watch podcasts, but you can stay home. You can watch YouTube videos and go, I don't like that preacher. Next one. I don't like what that guy has to say. Next one. You know, you just go to the one that you like until you get to the one you like, yell at him a little bit, and he ain't going to talk back to you. There's a reason why we gather every week. We're here every week because we need one another. I mean, we could, we could just... Have church every other week. It'd be so much easier. We could have churches once a month. Honestly, we could just do it once a month. It'd be so much easier on me. I'm just telling you. Once a month church, we just show up, show up at, at, at you know, like, you know, if we come every other week, you come once a month, I mean, just, we just all show up once a month. But that's, we got to be in the house of God. There's a reason why we're here every week, by the way, because we all need to be in the house of God every week. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I need to be here. Turn to somebody and tell them, I need to be here. Because you need the Danny Hamiltons in your life. You need people that will come alongside you, that will support you, that will encourage you, that will help you. The things that you can't get on a preaching video or you can't get on a podcast and you have questions and you're like, I don't, I feel, you know what I love about Danny? When I get around Danny, I can just be like, Danny, I don't know what this is. And he's really, he's so cool. He's just like, that's cool. Let me show you how to, how to do that. And he just shows me how to do it. It doesn't make me feel like an idiot. It doesn't make me feel stupid. He just teaches me how to do it. And he's like, no, you do it. That's what I love about the church. That's what I love about our core groups. When our core groups get together, like you're in an environment and there's somebody that's been following Jesus for 30 years, and you're like, I'm so intimidated by them. I could never let them know that I, I have no idea what the blood of Jesus is about. It kind of creeps me out. I don't understand the cross. I don't understand the nails. But I'm not asking that because I'll look like an idiot. Looking around, all you're like, yeah, what's the answer on that? Go to your core group. And ask. There are people that will come alongside you. Listen, we go in our groups and we come together because we belong together. We struggle together. We heal together. And we work together. I have a family who accepts me, but I also have a future that awaits me. I have a future that awaits me. Back to John 3.16. It says this, whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Write this down. I have a future that awaits me. I have a father who adores me. I have a family that accepts me. And I have a future that awaits me. Somebody say that's even more good news. That's even more good news. Here's here's the thing. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. 
Eternal life begins the moment you give your life to Jesus. And and not only that, but we need to understand this, that when you give your life to Jesus, you're not sitting and waiting on heaven. God help us, that is so boring. That is the worst possible life you could ever sign up for. Oh, I got my ticket to heaven, but this is as good as it's going to get. So I guess I'll just wait until this life. If you have breath in your lungs, God has work for you to do. He has purposes. He has plans. He has destinies for you. He has a vibrant and full life that he wants to give to you now. We have this, I don't know, this weird idea like heaven. Ah, it's going to be amazing. And God says, yes, it is going to be amazing. But God says, this life right now can be off the chain for you, can be amazing. Look what Paul says this in Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite scriptures. Ephesians, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this, for we are God's masterpiece. Again, I have a father who adores me. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. In other words, because of the work of Jesus, I'm a part of a family, and now I have a family who accepts me. So we can do what? The good things. Come on, say that with me. The good things that he planned for us long ago. I have a future that awaits me. We're not sitting around waiting on heaven. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be like nothing we could ever imagine being in our glorified state. There's nothing that can even put words to the magnitude of what the day will be like. But God right now has purposes and plans that he wants in your life. He wants to do a work through you now. I want to invite our our worship team to come. You also have an enemy, though. You you have a, a future that awaits you, but you also have an enemy that's going to try to rob you of your future by reminding you of your past. Because he knows God has a future for you. God has purposes and plans for you. So he's going to try to rob you of your future by reminding you of your past. (laughs) You you really think God's going to use you. You remember what you did? Remember who you were? You remember what was done to you? you? You're damaged goods. You think God would use somebody like you? You you can't even get past your past right now. God can't usher you into your future. What's wrong with you? Why would you ever think God could use you? Do not listen to that voice. Because God says, I I have a future awaiting you. You are my masterpiece. I've got good things for you. And what we've got to do is we've got to rise up. And we got to begin to, to walk in the freedom that we have in Christ and begin to embrace God has good for me. Oh my goodness, God has good for me. And the enemy will come to you and say, uh-uh, this is as good as it's going to get for you. And when the enemy starts speaking that into your mind, this is as good as it's going to get for you. This is as good as it's going to get. You need to remind him, oh, no, no, no. There's even more good news. I have a father. I have a family. I have a 
future. When the enemy comes to you and says, man, nobody loves you, God don't love you, you better work a little bit harder, you better get your butt in church a little bit more, you better, you ain't reading the Bible enough, you don't give enough, you don't serve enough, you don't pray enough, you just need to remind him, you know what? I don't do any of that to earn God's love. I, I do that so that I can bask and be in God's love. And I have a father who adores me. When the enemy tries to keep you from church, those people don't want you. If they knew, you would not be welcome. No, oh, you can, you, can, you can come. You just take up your seat. Don't get on a serving team. Don't do that because God can't use you. Don't, don't, don't get in a group because God, no, no. You need to remind him, no, I have, I have a family that accepts me. You need to say that over and over. I have a family. A family. This is my family. These are not my friends. These are not my acquaintances. I have a family that accepts me. And when the enemy tries to keep you from your future by reminding you of your past, you just you say, man, I have a future that awaits me. God has a good Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you bring us on.